This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, with my mom and co-host, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Hi, Heidi. Hi, Mom. Calling you from California, and you're in the studio in New York, right? I am. I'm right here in New York City. And we have a great show today with an organization that is near and dear to our heart and that we love. And the organization is First Candle. So as you know, Mom, we're going to speak with Barbara Himes today. Barbara is the Director of Education and Training for First Candle. For over 25 years, Barb has provided leadership in addressing the issues of stillbirth, sudden infant death syndrome, and safe sleep. In conjunction with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and First Candle, she helped create the Bedtime Basics for Babies. Welcome to the show, Barb. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Good to talk to you. Now tell our audience what First Candle is. First Candle is a not-for-profit organization that really started many years ago as um, a grassroots effort of other parents who had experienced a loss and um, organizations that wanted to try and help, and we kind of corralled everyone and offered that peer support to other families that were walking through our journey of uh, grief and loss. Now, what kind of a journey is that? Is it basically stillbirth or uh, sudden death, um, SIDS? What, what, how did well, you start out? We started out as the sudden infant death syndrome or SIDS support group. And all along, we always felt like we were really um, not addressing the stillbirth and the miscarriages. And even though those babies hadn't been born, alive and and breathing, those parents still suffered the same loss that that infant loss parents uh, experienced, and that's the hopes and dreams uh, and everything they had in store for their baby, their family, their life. And so um, it just felt like we we weren't reaching out to everyone, and... um, we were able to do that a number of years ago, and the need's great, and everyone does kind of get to like uh, losses, but bottom line is, if you lose your baby, it's devastating, and um, only someone else who's been through that really is that person that you can look up to and see, hey, they made it. I, I might be able to make it, too, and that's your goal. Uh-huh. Well, now, now talk a little bit about, because I didn't know um, recently, I, I have a nursing background, so I sort of knew, but I didn't, there's a difference between um, uh, stillbirth and sudden infant death syndrome and a miscarriage, particularly miscarriage and stillbirth. Talk, uh, what is the, when does it become a stillbirth from a miscarriage? Well, the, the miscarriages are those um, early pregnancies, 20 weeks or um, less, and then the stillbirths are when you get into the later pregnancy. Um, and then those, uh, those babies oftentimes have to, uh, some moms carry them for several weeks before, uh, before they give birth. 
And so if you can imagine that pain, knowing that your baby um, has, is deceased and yet having to carry and birth that baby. So um, just the trauma uh, of the loss is one thing, but then, you know, uh, the heartbreak of carrying that baby and then having to give birth to a, still, a stillbirth. Um, mm-hmm. SIDS, SIDS is under one year of age, um, so the peak time is two to four months. So we see that the vast majority of those, 90% of those deaths occur uh, by six months of age, but we have a sprinkling beyond that as well. So, again, you can kind of get the picture of, you know, um, the losses are a little different, but, boy, the heartbreak is sure the same. Right. Now, now, have you had this experience yourself? I have. Um, actually, our son, who died at two months of age, we awoke on Christmas Eve morning, my husband and I, and found him not breathing in his crib. Oh, wow. And, and quite ironic that we're, we're having this conversation today because yesterday was his birthday and he would have been 34 years old. Oh. <laughs> and I will tell you... That it can, the radio can, a song can come on the radio, the weather can be a certain way. Um, you know, there, there are those triggers that you can go back to that uh, with a blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. Now, what's There's your son's really, name? Jake. Jake. John, John Joseph, and, uh, and we called him Jake was his nickname. Oh, I love it. How and, and I know you're talking about his birthday. How do you remember him, and how do you how do you do you have rituals? Or uh, already you're talking about that it's his birthday. What comes up for you, and what do you do, does your family do? Well, it was quite a different birthday this year because um, I have a new grandson who uh, was named after our son. That's and wonderful. He, and he was baptized yesterday. So we uh, really came quite full circle yesterday, and this wasn't planned for this interview, and so it's quite ironic that that here we are. Um, I will tell you that those, you know, just as I said, uh, you know, you can go back to that in a blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. Two, two stories that really kind of ingrained that to me is uh, one time we were doing a memorial service, uh, our support group, our local support group, and an elderly man came that we didn't recognize and recognize. And so afterwards, we thanked him for coming, offered some refreshments, and he thanked us profusely because it had been 37 years since his son had died, and he had no way of having memorialized him. And he was so appreciative of this uh, event that he could go there and be with other parents. So I think, you know, again, how strong those losses are mm-hmm. and how Im- embedded they are in our minds and our souls and our hearts. Um, and, and, do- and I'm just go wondering, ahead. how old is how old is your grandson now, the one that was just baptized? He uh, He's three months old. He's three months old. So he is just a month older than Jake was when he died. Um, I've, I'm finding it interesting because I have a son that just turned 17, and that was the age that my brother died. And that brought up all sorts of issues for me and uh, some anxiety. And I'm just wondering, as a grandmother, now that your grandson is at the same age as your son when he died, does that bring up any any issues for you or any stuff or any 
Anything? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It certainly does. It certainly does. It's just, you know, your heart's filled with this, you know, excitement and anticipation with this new baby and then realizing um, that not only is it uh, going to be a little boy and, you know, he's going to be, you know, in that fall season um, and he's going to be named after him. Then you have all of the anxiety of putting that baby to bed, you know, if he comes and stays with me, if I'm watching him, all those fears. Even when I send him home, you know, his parents, I want to say, be so careful, you know, and I can't, you Mm -hmm. know. (laughs) But those feelings are all very much so, such a a mixed emotions um, with the excitement and yet trepidation with having that that little one. Now, there are, we do know some things uh, since, uh, it's been, what, over 30 years uh, for you, some safe sleep tips. Is that correct? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, when we had, we had a, we had two subsequent children after our son died. So we had two that were older and then uh, three and a four-year-old. And then we had two after our loss. And, um, we did. We were sent home on a wing and a prayer, so we didn't have uh, the things that now that um, the recommendations place that baby on its back. Don't use any pillows, blankets, you know, nothing in the crib, uh, firm mattress, um, smoke-free environment, all those things that now those recommendations um, that boy, you know, I would have done anything they said when I took those two babies home, you know, if they said, stand in the front yard and balk like a chicken <laughs> and keep your baby safe, guess where I would have been? <laughs> so, you you know, you'll do anything to keep those babies safe. And I didn't know a lot of this, this until recently when we got involved with First Candle and your organization, and I didn't know a lot of these tips. I mean, we always think when we're putting blankets in with our children, we're doing it to keep them warm and to take care of them. But in reality, yeah. it can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Well, they now they have a they recommend layering the baby's clothing if they need a blanket, put an undershirt and mm-hmm. socks, and then their sleeper on. Or now they have the I, I when my kids were little, they had the blanket sleepers or um, the sleep sacks now that they have that will keep them warm around their body, but keep the loose bedding away from their nose and mouth. So, um, you know a lot of great things that are now available for us. And and the other thing is, is all the things that we thought were keeping our babies safe. And even, you know, we thought we were putting them on their stomach because if they spit up that last feeding, it would keep them from choking. And anatomy tells us the complete opposite, that it's safer to put them on their back. Mm -hmm. So. uh, And then there's, yeah, one of the things I thought was interesting is Mm co-sleeping. Uh, that that's not a good idea because uh, there's a whole bunch of cultural things about that. You know, one of the things I'll have to say, though, when I think about this, I did it, I think I did it wrong with all my kids and none of them had sudden infant death syndrome. I, I just think there's got to be so much guilt and so much I uh, could have been and would have been, and yet, you know, uh, the, the You're other right kids on don't target. die. You're so. right on target. Yeah. What did I do that caused his death, mm-hmm. or what did I neglect to do that caused his death. And my thought process even was my two older children had survived my parenting. What did right. I do differently with this one that 
that, you know, it was wrong. And, and, and was there but, anything, Barb, that you did differently with your third or not really? There wasn't. There was not. That's Mm-mm. so interesting. He was born in the, you know, he had a fall birthday, and so, you know, he was an infant at the winter month. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a male, that a little higher rate of males than females. But, uh, again, a lot of other babies, a lot of other boys that were put down to sleep that woke up the next morning. Well, when well I'm young. thinking of my, my 17-year-old, who, the one that I said I'm anxious about because he's now the age of my sure. brother. When he His first few years, he was very sick, and he was on a nebulizer, and we had to wake up every couple of hours and put him on this machine. And I brought him in bed with me to, because I thought I was keeping him safe, and I slept with him for a, the first year of his life. And now mm-hmm. I realize that that's actually very dangerous because you can roll over on them. They can get caught in the bedding. And I had no idea. Like we were saying earlier, yeah. I thought I was keeping him safe. And we do. That, I, that, that's our mindset is what, if we keep him closer to us, that's safer. Mm-hmm. And yet sleep is an unconscious state of mind. I mean, when you're asleep and we, I sit on a child fatality review team, and so we look at those deaths under one year of age and so often – they're in an unsafe sleep situation that causes their death. And so, you know, they scoot around and get underneath pillows or blankets. So, you know, and and when we think about um, breastfeeding moms that put their babies in bed with them, mm-hmm. we, we have to really think of the conversation and look at what is that sleep environment. So, again, when we um, are, are today's society, we have pillow top mattresses, memory foam mattresses. We really have to be conscious of breathing barriers or obstacles if a babe, if, wherever the baby sleeps. And okay, now I want to I, I say this. I'm listening to this show right now, and I did have a baby mm-hmm. die of SIDS. And how did you deal? Did you have, of course, shock you'd have, maybe asking why? Mm-hmm. How about shame and guilt and anger mm-hmm. and fear? I mean, are those all emotions that you identify with? Absolutely, absolutely. Some more than others, and some I would be in and then fall out of and then go back into it. Uh, I, the why, 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 I remember days on end, I couldn't get it out of my mind. And you know what was the one thing that really helped me with that? I got a notebook one day, and I sat down, and I just started writing, and it was kind of babbling on paper, <laughs> But I said everything I wanted to say. I was mad at myself. I was mad at God. I was, it wasn't fair. It stunk. I, you know, I wanted these children, and it seemed like at that time I saw babies being left in alleys and abused or neglected, and I was mad about that. And, you know, I, I, I really went the whole, the whole circle of emotions, uh, Again, some longer than others. Uh, my husband and I grieved completely different. I will have. To, I remember reading the literature. Seventy percent of the marriages that in that um, experienced the death of a child of any cause end in divorce. I thought my babies died. I'm going to be divorced. This is the end of my world as I know it. And it was life altering. It was life changing, as you can well attest. Right. So you found journaling helpful. Were there other yes. things that you found helpful? My uh, uh, local support group that I belong to. Um, I, ha- I'm, I have a large family. I, I'm the second oldest of nine children. 
I have four sisters. I could have called them any time. They would have listened to me. My mother would have. But I knew that if I cried on the phone one night, um, before, as soon as I hung up, they would be calling each other. They would all be worried about me. Um, right. <laughs> I just knew it. But you know what? The support group, other people who had been there, if I called them, they would listen and they would say, I hear you. I hear you. I know what you're talking about. It does get better. You're not going crazy. <laughs> you know, and they weren't going to hang up and call my family. <laughs> so I knew that they knew my feelings. Um, they could relate to most of them. Uh, if they didn't, they would say, you know, I didn't really have that. And I love, Barb, that you had this group because I feel like when you have a baby die, you don't get as much support because people didn't know the baby. And I would think there would not be as many people talking about the loss and supporting you around it. You're right. And, you know, I could talk about my pregnancies, about any of my other kids, but if I brought up the pregnancy with Jake, you could just see everyone kind of tighten up. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're all together and talking about, oh, when I was pregnant, you know, it just, uh, it was a different mindset if I talked about that baby. It was that was just off limits, I think, for so many wow. people. And and no one knows what to say or do. And you know, tears are cleansing and healing, and yet they make everybody else so uncomfortable. How and did so you deal I, with being pregnant again? Oh my gosh, it was what I so wanted. It was nine months after uh, our loss before I was pregnant again. Uh, that now seems like just a minute in my t in my life, but at the time it seemed like nine years. Uh, my husband wasn't so excited about that. <laughs> he was too nervous. Uh, our children said, "Is this baby going to die too?" And wow. uh, the only the only thing I could say is, "Is I hope not. We hope not." My husband said, "Just hug him and tell him everything's going to be fine." And you know, you can't do that as a as a parent. Because if something does go wrong, you know, if you can't trust your mom and dad, who can you trust? So, you know, we had to be really open and, and upfront. Our daughter had a very uh, difficult time with it. Uh, and it was always... How old was she? She was four. Mm -hmm. And when the subsequent child came around, then that was a year and a half later. So she was uh, getting ready to start school. And when that baby was born, she was in kindergarten. So... She said, um, you know, she didn't want to leave me and the baby. She wanted to, you know, she was really had some anxiety. We went through some counseling with her, um, promised her that if anything ever happened, we would come and get her at school. And we always had to honor that in every step of her life. You know, even, you know, as she got to high school, her brother had stitches. So we, you know, we had to tell her she was very anxious about those things. Our three-year-old, who, you know, they were both in the house when we found him, and the three-year-old then said for days, weeks probably, Jake's not in his crib, Mom, mm -hmm. and every day. And then it always ended the same, and he would say, I'd say, I know, remember, he died, yes. And he would end with, call the police and make them bring him back. Wow. And that's tough to hear. We Heidi and I were involved with the... Uh, working with 9-11 families, and there's a little boy who I saw the family, and the mother was very disturbed because she went to a restaurant, and the kid yelled out, you know, my dad's dead. 
you know, mm-hmm. after a couple of years later. And it's very disturbing, mm-hmm. uh, I know, mm-hmm. for parents. Well, we're really gonna we're gonna have to wrap up here, Barb. But um, how can people find First Candle if they're out there listening and need to find it? Oh, that would be wonderful for them to reach out. It's it's simply firstcandle.org. Firstcandle.org. Correct. And um, reach out to us. We have um, we have online supports. This is the nice thing because. You know, everyone's so spread out across the state. We have an online support group for specifically for stillbirth, one specifically for miscarriage, and one specifically for infant loss. So it's a Facebook. They have to request to be um, accepted. We're very protective of our parents, and we want to make sure this isn't just out for the public. This is only for those bereaved parents, and um, that's online chat so it doesn't matter where you live what time of day it is you can get on and and um, post some of your questions some of your concerns some of your thoughts and get peer feedback fantastic well thank you so much for being on the show today i i love what you're doing the work and first candle is amazing wonderful thank you for sharing uh this information so that others out there that may be struggling have a a resource and know that they're not alone. Thank you, Barb. And thanks so much for building awareness about SIDS and stillbirth and acknowledging that these are very significant deaths in people's lives. Absolutely. Thank you for having me this afternoon. Heidi and I don't want to remind you that uh, always that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours till you find your own and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.